Hello, 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 everyone, and welcome back to the Black Access Podcast. I'm your host, Adorian Hope, and I'd like to welcome you to episode five of this podcast series. I'm so happy to be back talking to you all again, and I hope that you've all been enjoying these episodes as much as I have. Today, we'll be talking about Pride and Pride Month at York and getting some perspective on what it's like to be a black queer student and an ally at York. And so to all of you listeners, I know that queer can be a term that many do not prefer, but in today's context, we'll be using the term queer simply to define a person who is not straight, as to be less specific and to be more inclusive to the entire LGBTQ plus community. Um, But before we delve into that, let me introduce to you all my two special guests that I have here in the studio with me today. Um, So firstly, I'd like you all to welcome back Alex. Um, So now for those of you that have been listening for a while, you remember that Alex was the very first guest on the podcast. And so it's great to have him back. And we also have today the lovely Kimmy here. Hi. And she's a new guest to the podcast, but also a member of the Black Access team, like Alex and I. And so to help you all get reacquainted with Alex and also get to know Kimmy, I'll hand over the reins to them to let them introduce themselves, where they're from, what they study, and what their roles are within the team. Hey guys, um, I'm Alex. I'm from Malawi, but I live in Switzerland now and I study chemistry. And um, I'm a Black Access student ambassador. Um, I'm Kimmy. Uh, I study English literature here at the University of York. I'm Nigerian, but I was born here in England, um, in South Yorkshire. And I'm also a student ambassador, like Alex. Great. Thank you guys so much. And so to start off, we do a little, you know, icebreaker kind of question, usually play a game. But this time I thought I'd ask a question. Um, If money and time were no object, what would you be doing right now? And don't say your degree, because that's a lie. (laughs) (laughs) That's tough. Oh boy. Um, Would you be on a yacht? Would you be like, I'm chilling, living the good life? Maybe. Maybe go just travelling, like around just the whole world. Around the whole world. I think that'd be good. And then. I love it. Still a bit of my degree, reading. Just (laughs) a bit. You're so passionate, I love it. I'm not gonna lie, I was gonna say just do more chemistry, but. (laughs) There's no way you just said that. Money and time are no object. You can do anything you want. You like you have like an endless bank account. And the thought in your mind is, well, just keep studying. More chemistry. I mean, I enjoy it. Okay, yeah. let's say like, we can, let's relate it to that. Let's say like, oh, would you would you start your own company and you know, do some research in this? Would you take that money and go use chemistry in different areas or would you be like <laughs> like what would you do? <laughs> I'd probably start a company like um oh, um, I dread to say this, but probably a pharmaceutical company. <laughs> big pharma, big pharma. <laughs> little pharma, little pharma. S- small company, not big. <laughs> well, you can be. So you say you're traveling. Would this be more like a backpacking situation? Would it be like, no, there's like, I have a driver and a helicopter and the jet. And like, you know, we're staying at like the Burj Khalifa. Like, what what's this holiday situation looking like? Well, I kind of hate hiking. So it's sort of like, yeah, like what you were saying. Just sort of go... If I'm like, oh, like I really want to go to Thailand, yeah, um, and money's an option. I just, maybe not private jet because that's quite bad for the environment. But nice. maybe like commercial jet. Yeah. <laughs> Business class. Business class. Yeah, we can do that. <laughs> um, so have you? Ever, I'm guessing either of you have not thought about that at all. Like, I definitely caught you off guard with that question. Yeah, not really. <laughs> Fair enough. Honestly, I don't even know what I'd do. I think my same thing would probably just go traveling. 
Yeah, like places that I probably wouldn't go to. Like, yeah. I don't think I have the money to go to Dubai. I can dream. Like, now I can go? I love it. Um, so now that we've given, you know, our audience a bit more insight into, you know, what you guys' dreams are, potentially, let's dive right back into today's topic. Um, and so, as for some background, for those of you lovely listeners that weren't aware, last month was actually Pride Month. And so this is a month typically in June, celebrated all around the world, and it's dedicated to the celebration and commemoration of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender pride. And so Pride Month began after the Stonewall Riots, which was a series of gay liberation protests in 1969, and has since spread outside of the United States. And so, as I said, it's now a month that's celebrated all over the world. And so the Pride Month celebrations are defined to be all about being proud of who you are, no matter who you love. And so this year actually marks the 50th year of Pride. Like, can you guys believe that? Yeah, 50 years of Pride celebrations. That's crazy. And so even though Pride Month recently ended around the world, um, the Black Access team thought that we should talk about what it's like to be queer and black at York. And so we also wanted to raise awareness about Pride Month's ultimate goal, which is to highlight its values of acceptance, equality, celebrating the work of LGBTQ plus people, encourage education about LGBTQ plus history and raise awareness of issues affecting the community. And so I would like to pose a question to you both actually and ask, what is it like to be black and a member of the LGBTQ plus community, like in general, outside of York, like in your everyday life? What's that like? Do you want to go first? Oh boy. Um, to me at first it was kind of conflicting because my, my head was going like, I don't know a lot of black queer people, so it was it was hard to wrap my head around it. But um, as time has go- gone on, I've kind of just kind of just accepted it. It's it's hard to describe. It's just it's just who I am. It's just I'm black. I'm queer. It's part of being Alex. It's who you are exactly. Yeah, basically the same as Alex. Um, sometimes you find like a lot of queer spaces can be very um, specifically prominently white, but in general, most people are, you know, very accepting. Um, yeah, and like Alex says, it's sort of just kind of part of who you are. So, thank you guys for sharing that with us. I know that it's, you know, it takes a lot to be vulnerable in spaces like this. And so, I guess my next related question exactly is, you know, you kind of said you're a wider experience, but what is it like to be queer at the University of York specifically? What's that been like? Has it been accepting? Have you had any unpleasant experiences, or has it all been, you know, really positive? I'd say it's been pretty positive since I've been here. I actually came out um, a little bit after I uh, came to the university. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, so it's been actually quite uh, accommodating, quite um, uh, respectful and accepting. It's actually been quite nice um, being queer. There's a lot of queer people and a lot of uh, allies in the uni. So it's like there's a wide support structure and like lots of activities you can do just to hang out with fellow queers <laughs> so that with no enthusiasm <laughs> I know you mean it from your heart okay Alex is more of a gentle soul but he really means that with all enthusiasm you just have to listen between the lines okay what about you Kimmy yeah same as Alex everyone's really lovely like I've been able to make so many like other friends that are also in the community and you know like friends who aren't in the community but are allies and even though I've not like attended many like quite specific events they are on and you know they run you know very well there's lots of consideration and time being put into put into them and it's just like I've never felt like really unsafe being in York and being black and queer 
that's really great guys thanks for sharing so i also wanted to ask like you know you said about the events that are put on are actually really like great and are really thoughtful um so i wanted to ask what's like the best event for the community that you've been to here whilst at york like was that during pride was it outside of pride like what, what was it like me and a group of friends i think it's the um, lgbt uh, society for vambra or just in the uni they do um they play werewolf every monday so i've been going to that pretty much for the past two terms yeah, they play werewolf yeah okay you guys explain to me what yeah, that like is <laughs> um yeah it's it's like um okay so there's like werewolves in a town and you're a town with uh, werewolves that only appear at night so during the day you vote out people thinking uh, who you think are werewolves and during the night the werewolves and whoever else wakes up at night does um their little things um werewolves usually kill people and then during the day, the remaining villagers try and fi- figure out who is the werewolf. And the werewolves try to um, lie, deceit, all, all of these things to convince everyone to just pick someone else. Therefore, they're the last, they're the majority in the town. And once there's a majority of more werewolves than town members, then the werewolves win. Or the other way around, where there's more, if you kill all the werewolves, then the town wins. I see. So it's like Among Us, basically. I don't like. I don't know that if that's e- a good comparison. <laughs> <laughs> the comparison works. I ju- yeah, it's like Among Us. <laughs> so is this a game that you play like in one day? Is this like a a game that you play like overnight? As you said, you kind of mentioned about day and night, or is that just to to provide the setting of the game? Oh, that's like the setting of the game. It's like a game can last from like pro- it's usually thirty minutes, or it can be up to like two hours, depending on how many people are playing. <laughs> Damn. When it's like. When it's 24 people playing a game of Werewolf, it takes quite a while to get through the days because it's 24 different people speaking at the same time. I'm sure. Sounds fun, though. Like, the whole interactiveness, like, you might be there for two hours, like, trying to do it. Yeah. Have you ever been the Werewolf and, like, won? No. <laughs> it's it's really easy to uh, suss me out because... I'm too nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm usually too quiet, and even if I'm Werewolf, I'm like, Oh, I can't lie to these people anyway. So I just go like... <laughs> That's actually so sweet. But <laughs> I love that you immediately just went, no, I can't. Like, I, I know myself. I can't I can't nah. even fake it. So, Kimmy, what about you? What's your best... What's your, what's your favourite um, um, event for the community that's happened at York? Um, I went to a zine-making workshop that the LGBT network put on. Zine-making? So a zine is like an independent sort of magazine first it was really sort of first established in the i believe in the uk by um lesbian groups when they you know weren't allowed to openly publish these materials to discuss their culture so it's like an underground self-made like a lot of like cutting out like stuff from newspapers and posters and sticking it together to make like you know whatever you want to say so yeah that was a really fun event just had like music on and loads of craft materials and yeah it was really really good that's so cute at the end did you guys like pick the best one i don't think so we just sort of all showed showed it and like discussed yeah. it after yes. that was really nice did you make a lot of friends like um during that experience or just like get a lot of connections through it um, I sort of went with some people that I already knew, but it was really nice to just like meet people and see what they were interested in. Yeah, like yeah, actually really nice. Cool. Was, so was that? Did you say that was the university specifically? Or was that like a, just a general York event? Yeah, the um, York LGBT network here like set it up. 
That's great. Okay, so you guys are saying, I'm glad to hear that the LGBT LGBT network at York is actually, you know, it's doing a good thing, you know, it's really, they're really working to be inclusive in this space and put on events. And so do you feel there's a lot of visibility for the LGBTQ plus community here in York? I think so. Um, I've not personally been to York Pride. I don't know if you have. Uh, I I went to the one, my first Pride, actually, I went to the one this year. Um, Oh, 3rd of June. Yeah. I'm always busy when it's on. I was busy last year. I was busy <laughs> this year. Maybe next year I'll get Maybe to next go. Maybe free. It was packed. There's, I would say, yeah, it's pretty, um, it's really high visibility of like, I guess, of being LGBTQ and being in the community here. There was so many, so many people. <laughs> so many people. <laughs> I can tell you're just overwhelmed just talking about it. You're like, oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, I, w- I was there because I was working for the um, stall, the... Um, um, pride stall for the chemistry department which was pretty nice because oh, a, wow. a bunch of people just came by I was like tell us about chemistry I was like yay one of my passions I love how you linked pride and chemistry together perfectly that was like so fitting for you it all comes back <laughs> to all chemistry comes back full circle oh. And so for those of our listeners that actually, like, you know, have never been to Pride and want to go, but they're like, you know, I don't know what it's going to be like. Do you think you could give us some more insight into what it was like? Like, how did the day start? Did it start at a 10? Did it go down to a 2? Did it start at 10 and end at 10? Like, what was the energy like? What was the experience? I would say that it, it was pretty much a 10 throughout the whole thing. Um, the walk to the the racetracks where the Pride was um, was taking place was quite fun. The procession was amazing. There was all along the streets were just allies and other queer people who weren't coming to Pride, but just wanted to support. So there was just people along the street going like, "Woo!" with their flags, uh, and it was it was really wholesome. And then you got to the actual like um, Pride grounds, and it was great. There was rides. There were so many stalls. There, there was. It's just really fun. Um, I went on some of the rides. <laughs> a little bit scared of heights, but the rides were great. <laughs> so they like bit. those like fairground rides that they put up overnight, like at the races. Yeah. Oh my gosh, those are kind of scary to me. I'm always afraid they're gonna like break, and I'm gonna be on it. Like no. It was the one that swung you from like swung you all the way up and then back, like in a like a seesaw kind yeah, of thing, like oh, a, no. or a pendulum. It was. I was like, <laughs> I couldn't do that. I was really scared the latch was gonna just pop off and I was gonna go flying. I was oh, like, no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise, no, it was really good. It was a 10 throughout. That's amazing. So I wanted to ask, like, would there be a lot of people dress up? Were there a lot of signs, a lot of flags? Like, Definitely. What was it? Definitely. Um, uh, there was a few, there was performances. I think there was, there was some, there was a few drag queens sponsored by, I think the, some of the uh, York radio uh, stations. And there was a small a small uh, stage and a large stage near the end of the Pride Festival. And there was a bunch of people dressed up in Pride outfits. It was really good. Amazing outfits, actually. I loved all of them. That's amazing. What would you say is the best one you saw? Or one of the good ones then? Like, what was one of the good ones that you just like, you remember, like, that person had bedazzled booty shorts? Like, what, what did you see? <laughs> like, let us know. A few people were quite bedazzled, actually. <laughs> I think I saw somewhere a bedazzled like crop top. It was it was great to watch because it was just shining. I was like, it's really warm out here, and you decided to go re- full on bedazzled <laughs> uh, crop top. I was like, oh yeah, that was rocket. me. That was like really really hot, right? Oh yeah. my gosh, it must have been sweltering out. It's horrible. Gosh, sweating, getting blinded by a crop top, <laughs> right by bedazzled crop tops. 
<laughs> thank you for sharing that no with problem. us though especially for a lot of our listeners you know who are looking forward to going to university maybe attending pride for themselves so they're like you know what you've just given them that more insight of course like they can see from social media but it's great to hear like from a first-hand perspective like oh what it was like pivoting from this more light-hearted topic um getting really into the nitty-gritty of it but i wanted to ask you like do you think that homophobia and stigma are actually challenged at the university of york I think definitely the university does like a lot to show its support for the community. Like, um, I went to the, they raised the progress pride flag near the, um, near Central Hall. And, um, like Alex was saying, you know, they had the stalls at Pride and they put on a lot of, um, events and they have the, the representatives for the community elected to the student union. So I definitely think that, you know, if you do experience homophobia, then there is somewhere that you can go. And, um, yeah, I do think there is a lot of support available. I agree with Kimmy. I think the uni um, tries its best to show its support for the community as a whole and that there's multiple places you can go, like within your college or as, through the um, student union itself that you can address any problems like from homophobia or stigma. That's really great. So you guys definitely feel that like if you were ever to experience homophobia or any other kind of stigma that you could, you know, utilize the services available at the University of York and be like, hey, what's your relationship like also with people around you? Like, do you feel like, you know, you have the safe spaces you go to within friends to say, hey, I experienced this. Like, you know, this happened to me. Do you feel like you get that support from your friends also? Yeah, definitely. And Maybe it's just, you know, I've happened to be in like a good situation, but most people that I meet at the uni are just really nice, they're really accepting. I've never met anyone that, maybe it's because I do English literature and everyone's <laughs> everyone's really nice <laughs> or like an ally. Yeah. But yeah, I definitely think in my friend group, there's a lot of queer people and a lot of allies. So I feel like I would definitely have that that space to go and say if I ever experienced something. Yeah, it's the same for me. I Actually, I think the majority of my friends are queer. Um, yeah, that's what I was thinking. I was like, yeah, actually, yeah. <laughs> my friend group, I feel like my friend group, what am I saying? Yeah, I can go to my friend group if I experience anything like this. Yeah, within my friend group, I think a bunch of us have experienced a, a lot. Well, not whether in the uni or from outside the uni. So um, we all tend to like, when something bothers us, we, we share or we try and find support within our friend group. That's really amazing that you have those support systems within your friends also. And um, do you guys ever have, like, a me- is there a member of staff within your department, within a different department, that you felt like, um, whether this is a particular individual or a particular group, how you felt like there's members of staff or a particular member of staff that you could also be like, hey, like, I'm experiencing this, you know, could I talk to you about it? Like, is that your academic supervisor? Is it your module lead, tutorial lecturer, anything like that? My academic supervisor is lovely. So I feel like if I had that sort of problem, I could definitely go to her about it. But then within the English department, there's some lecturers that specialise specifically in, you know, queer literature. Ah. So I definitely feel like, you know, I'd be able to go to them with any issues or just any questions or if I wanted to just have a discussion. So I feel like I'm very lucky with that because of how my degree is that I have that opportunity. Yeah, um, I wouldn't say my academic supervisor. Um, I mean, he's lovely. I, I feel like he would try and help me in any way, but I feel like um, I would best go to any of the other like queer or um, allies within the chemistry department 
because my first actual my, my first actual lecture was with the um, one of my lecturers called Dave. He 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 um, openly gay, and he started uh, his lecture was telling us a story about his um, his husband and his uh, how and why he does stuff, uh, why he's in the chemistry department and his goals with in the chemistry department. So I feel like I could go with, to him or any of the other um, queer lecturers or staff that I met at Pride or just ask around within the department to see if there's anyone that would help. That's so great that, you know, your lecturer was so open about he felt confident enough to do that, especially because, you know, it it allows students like yourself to hear that and feel comfortable and like, oh, you know, whether you relate or not, you're like, oh, this is a man who, you know, you can look at and say, like, he's really comfortable and confident in himself. You know, like you said, he has he has pride. Yeah. And so in that sense, it makes you also feel more comfortable if you, if you have the same experience. So I wanted to actually go back to what you said about your you have um in the english department so you have teachers that specifically teach about queer literature so i wanted to ask do you take any of those modules and like if so what's that been like what's your experience been and if not like you looking forward to it um i took a really great module in first year specifically about it was in general about um intersectional feminism but a lot of the topics we looked at we looked a lot about we looked specifically at um, black lesbians in the 70s which was just an incredible like lecture and then tutorial um, and about um, you know queer movements in, in indigenous spaces and in Latin America and yeah that was an amazing module I don't know if it's running anymore which is a it's a massive shame but I personally haven't taken any um, queer modules this year because they're very popular and they fill up really quickly I see so um, but I know some friends who've taken them and they've said that they've been really good. Yeah. That's great that they're really popular, though, that, you know, yeah. they're widely accepted and people are like, you know, they want to learn more about queer literature and such and such. Have you ever been to, like, any, like, lectures outside of, like, specific modules? Like, maybe they have a, a special guest or one of the lectures is like, oh, I'm going to give a, a a talk on this specific topic. Have you ever been to one of those? There was definitely one I planned on attending. One of my tutorial leaders was giving a talk about... Um, queer visibility in old Norse literature but I wasn't able to make it which I was very annoyed about but there is there's always something going on where you can go and learn about yeah that's anything so yeah that's great what about you Alex have I attended a talk or heard about it in from your friends or in any other space um I haven't personally attended or I think one of my actually no I don't think I know anyone who's gone to any talks uh, related to like queer visibility in chemistry um i know that there there have been a few within the department but i've always been busy either with actual um lectures or other things outside of chemistry so unfortunately i'll try and go to some next year i'm pretty sure I'm glad to hear that, though, that you're like, okay, I'm going to actually look out for that. Yeah. And I hope you do, because I know that, like, if, for example, in biology department, um, between terms and whatnot, or towards the end of a term, we have, like, a lot of lecturers just come and give talks about, like, certain um, chemical pathways and whatnot, all, all the boring stuff. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm sure that in within queer literature, there's a lot of talks that go on, too. It'd be great if you guys could go also share your experiences with the members of the Black Access, the Black Access cohort, because I'm sure they'd love to know and hear about it. 
So I guess now on a lighter note, uh, my next question is about, you know, how you think that people, especially like, you know, other young people, black or white, can be better allies to the LGBTQ plus community, you know, at university and also like across our nation. It's a lot. Sorry. Quite a big question. (laughs) (laughs) Like one top tip, one piece of advice, one thing that you wish someone had been more cautious or courteous about in any way. This isn't, this might be a bit heavy, but I think especially in the black community or whatever specific, you know, African or Caribbean or, you know, within that, there can be like a bit of a stigma around being queer. Definitely. Um, Because of, you know, lots of factors, but it is there. So I think just sort of, you know, going out and educating yourself, if you're friends with someone who's queer, just sort of, you know, being the best friend to them that you can be sort of regardless of whatever their orientation is yeah and if you want to be a better ally I think going back and learning about queer history because like you were speaking about the Stonewall rights at the start that's sort of intrinsically linked with black you know Marsha P Johnson was a black trans woman who was at the forefront of the riots so yeah just through education and just being accepting and being open thank you thank you for sharing top acts to follow (laughs) (laughs) I think in my case, um, I was just thinking about it. When I came out or, like, when I first met, uh, met some people, uh, they, there's always the assumption to um, label someone who's queer or who looks queer. And I feel like if you're, if you're trying to be an ally, the best thing you can do is wait for the person to tell you um, their orientation instead of trying to assign them one based on their looks or what they've said so far. Mm-hmm. Because uh, this is a thing people tend to just assume it's okay, but sometimes, sometimes you can be, be wrong, and most of the time I don't care, or like the person might not care, but uh, sometimes it can be harmful to, uh, to them because they're like, oh, do I not look like the orientation I I'm try I I feel I am, or do oh. they not present who they they think they are? Yeah, definitely. And I think um, top tip there would just be wait until you get told what their orientation is and. Or if you don't know what uh, their orientation is, either just um, educate yourself later or um, ask them to explain it to, to you so you can get w- what they believe it is and their personal experience with it. That's that's actually a really great point to make. I think so often sometimes people can get... I think now people try to be more aware or cautious, you know. You might ask someone, like, oh, what are your pronouns? To try and be more inclusive in that way. But occasionally people do you know, look at one, another person and start, you know, immediately gender them and say, oh, you know, hi, you know, how how is she? And you're like, okay, that, that person doesn't identify that way. Um, I think also, I'm only an ally, but I can only say from my personal experience is that um, don't be afraid to correct people when they're wrong. Sometimes people do have the best intentions and they simply just do say something. And sometimes by not correcting them, you allow them to continue in a space of ignorance. And so when you kind of go from in a, from a space and correct them and say, oh, by the way, I know you didn't mean to, or you probably didn't know, but I identify this way, or I'm actually this, or maybe what you said actually kind of hurt me, and this is why, and, you know, this is kind of the implications of what you said. And I think that, of course, it's nobody's job to take it upon themselves to carry that burden and educate everybody about everything. It's kind of the same thing with the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, you can't educate every single um, non-black person about the implications of racism and whatnot. Yeah. And in that same sense, um, if you are queer, it's not your job to teach every straight person um, or cisgender person like, oh, you know what it's like to be queer and what you're understanding your experience. 
But if there's ever a space, especially with those who are close to you, those of your loved ones, if you ever have the chance to maybe correct uh, an incorrect assumption, um, then please do so because that can help a lot of people learn a lot more about certain topics. Yeah, so leading this all back again to the University of York, I want to talk about, like, you know, what can students on the Black Access Program take note of for the future, you know, if they do attend the University of York? So I wanted to ask you both, um, like, where can students access help or support or advice from? And do you know how they would be able to report any negative incidents? Like, There's a report and support tool that you can use to, you know, report any incidents that um, have happened to you, that you've witnessed... And then that will go through either the student union or the university. Um, if it's serious enough, then, you know, that will be escalated. But they'll do early thorough investigation. You know, they deal with every complaint that is submitted. And if you don't feel comfortable using that, then... Um, which I believe it, it can be anonymous if you want it to be. Or you can go uh, directly to the student union or another member of staff so there is always someone that you can talk to if you're having any issues at the university so um for those of you listening um just a bit more background about that as kimmy mentioned there is a report on support tool at the university of york and this is a place that um, students can report staff and other student uh, misconduct and find out about support available for staff and students from the university and other services And so students can report all manner of circumstances such as things like hate crimes, discrimination, bullying and harassment, domestic abuse, or even sexual violence incidents using this tool. And it can be done anonymously or with the student's contact details provided to allow an ease of communication. And so with this tool, the report itself does not necessarily initiate like a formal investigative process. And so you don't need to feel pressured that, oh, if I make a report that, you know, maybe someone's going to get in trouble or it's going to escalate hella big. Um, It just allows an appropriate member of staff to contact you to speak about, you know, the options that are possibly available to you. Um, And so they can also like, you know, work with you to um, talk about what the steps um, the university might take if it is in, in fact a serious incident. And so the information that you do provide using the support and report tool um, will only be shared with relevant members of staff on a need to know basis. And so like it won't become like public knowledge or the staff gossip. Like that's not that's not what it becomes. So there's definitely that ease of understanding within them. Um, so I wanted to ask also, like if you don't, you don't have to answer, of course, if you don't feel comfortable doing so. But I wanted to know, like, if either of you have ever used these support systems offered at York or, you know, anyone who has like had to use these support systems at York. I personally don't know anyone and I haven't used it either. Um, I haven't used it, but I know from um, society activities and like knowing the stats that since I believe this year there's been a big emphasis on um, awareness on specifically sexual violence. So the number of reports for that have gone up, which obviously doesn't mean that the number of incidents has increased. It's that people feel a lot more comfortable being able to report these experiences that they've had. Yeah, I think that means that it's working. Yeah, I'm really glad to hear that people feel more comfortable using the report and support tool because, of course, at the end of the day, it's never to a detriment to the student that reports. It's always trying, it's a a tool that's used for their benefit. Um, I also really like that you guys haven't had to use this um, tool either. That makes me really happy that you haven't had to because, of course, experiencing, you know, discrimination, hate, prejudice in any form is awful. 
Um, I also wanted to speak more to um, a lot of people say that York is a very inclusive city in general for um, members of the queer people. So uh, members of the community. And so I wanted to ask, like, would you agree with that assessment? Do you think that York is a very inclusive space? And then also the University of York. Yeah, I would think the I think that's a good way to describe York and the university itself. I feel like, um, especially at Pride, I saw the the lengths at which people are willing to support and help queer people and other people in the community and their allies. That's really great. What about you, Kimmy? Would you say York's good? Zini good? Yeah, I think so. Um, obviously, York's a majority white city, which there's historical reasoning for that, but I don't want to go on a tangent and bore everyone. Please um, do share. Listen, we love the tea over here. Um, so the Roundtree family, who obviously York is, you know, has a lot of chocolate history, um, they had a policy because they were Quakers of only hiring other Quakers and other local people. So it meant that um, most of the people who were able to live and have a job in York were the local families who were, you know, mostly white. So since then, York has remained, you know, majority white city. Um, but yeah, I think it's definitely getting better, you know, every single year. You know, there's more visibility, um, you know, amongst queer people, specifically queer. Uh, people of colour and you know there's lots of different societies and groups at York specifically for you know non-white people and yeah I think it's good I think there's a space for everyone thank you for sharing that background knowledge I actually didn't know about that history of um, um, Quakers in York and the Roundtree family um according to google which i'm looking at now well this is according to wikipedia so it's not the strongest source this is is kind of what's coming up now um just to define quakers for those listening um quakers are people who belong to a historically protestant christian set of denominations known as the religious society of friends and members of these movements are generally united by a belief in each human's ability to experience the light within or see that or see that of god in everyone um, that's as defined by Wikipedia. Um, I'm sure I'd love you all, lovely listeners. Actually, maybe do a bit more research into the Roundtree family and the Quakers of York. Um, I only really knew about the Vikings in York, so this is like a complete like. Oh, I didn't know this to me. Is this like was this in your own? Did you learn this in your own independent research? Or was this like no? In my degree, I took a, a module on archiving, so oh. we got to in the the Baltic archives at the university, which are great if any of you happen to need to use them. And there's a lot of information there on, you know, the business and families in York. Oh, where are those archives? Those ones in the library? Yeah. Oh my gosh, are these the ones in um, Burton? Burton yeah. and Borthwick, yeah. Okay, yeah. For those that uh, maybe heard our other episode about describing university and what's on to offer here, um, Burton is like a section of the library that's like very much like the quiet area. Like you go there if you have like proper serious studying to do. Like nobody talks in there, but they have great archives in there. There's actually, the University of York has over like a million books actually. Um, and so there's a lot, a lot of content to go to. And especially if you're thinking of studying English and you're like, this is all piquing my interest, then please, please, please research more and get to know more about what's on offer at York. What's one word that you would say describes your experience as a black and queer person? Uh, you know, that's, that's a lot to say one word, but what would you say would define your experience? I'd say being really sappy, just like, community oh yeah i feel like since coming to york there's just such a really great community um of 
there's a great community of queer people, there's a great community of black people, and there's a really, you know, sort of a niche intersection of, you know, black and queer people. But everyone is just so nice and so welcoming, and it's just a really great space to be in. It's so lovely. Um, to, pig- to piggyback on Kimmy's word, I would say warmth. Aww. Um, <laughs> I would say it's, um, I would describe my experience both being black and queer in New York to be, uh, to be warm, um, comforting. As Kimmy said, like, there's, there's a good sense of community here that I've, I've enjoyed and it's, it's made the, it's made my time being away from my family and my friends and what I've been used to, um, quite enjoyable. Yeah, especially if you was an international student too, like to find that I love that you can still define yoga as like warmth, you know, it's a, it's it's not the same but it's a slight home away from home in that sense. I love that for you guys. So this is completely unrelated to anything. Um and not to go too much into depth for our listeners, but just a quick little peek because I'm sure some of them are, you know, maybe looking forward to it. What's the dating scene? What's the queer dating scene like in York? <laughs> I'm sure some of our listeners are like, Okay, get to the point. Like, am I gonna find a boo? Like they wanna know. So have you had opportunities? Is it nice? Are people like, you know, go on dates? Is it cute? Um, not everyone knows everyone. Okay. But like But it's very much so there, like there is a small intersection <laughs> of people, queer people that you can go on dates with. So there's like some people are like kind of like in that sense, you're just like, I can't date them because they've dated this person I know and in that sense, is that a little bit, yeah, I would say. I haven't personally used any of the dating apps, but from my friends and their um, exploits, I've it's <laughs> um, it's it's difficult. I think um, being queer and finding well, there's a lot of people here. You can definitely find someone. I think it's just finding the person who's right for you, at least here, because. The only way you can actually get to dating mobile people is going through dating apps like Hinge or... I don't think so. Well, there's also... Well, true. You can meet people organically. Yeah, you can. Oh, yeah, you can bump to them in a coffee shop and be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. Hi, it's like a rom-com, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I've, there's, I've, I've met people who've been uh, successful both organically and through like dating apps. So I think um, the dating scene here isn't too bad. That's good, at least. You know, it's not It's not too bad. Is there, would you say there's a smaller dating pool in terms of if you're looking for another black and queer person? I think I know all the black and queer people, yeah. so I don't know. <laughs> don't think I could date any of them. I don't think, I don't think there's, um, yeah, no, it's, it's quite small for that. So a yeah. small dating pool, yeah. yeah. Well, at least, you know, there's, there's, there's someone out there, you know, like it's still a dating pool that exists. Um, as Kimmy said, even if you know all of them, you might you might have a spark <laughs> with someone. I'm already friends with all of them. With all of them. <laughs> but for those of you that you know might be listening, you're like, oh, I'm looking forward to that aspect of you know maybe dating um, within the community at York. I mean, there's something to look forward to. It might be a small dating pool. You might make all of them your friends, like Kimmy did. <laughs> but um, there's still there's still an option for you. And even if not, um, once you get to university, your your eyes are kind of more open to a bigger world in which you know even if you d- never date at university you can still become a lot more comfortable with the idea if that is what you want for yourself but completely we just pivoted off the whole conversation (laughs) that was like my own interest topic (laughs) but 
but um, I guess one another question I have kind of linking back to Pride Month um, at York. I want to say like I know Kimmy that you didn't really par- um, partake in the exact Pride um, March and whatnot. But what's pri- what is one Pride Month activity that you'd say has been your favorite or something that even if you didn't do it, like what's something that you would encourage every listener to partake in at York? Can't think really think of anything else except just going um, when going to the Pride Festival next year around when it comes. I almost missed it because I also had work that day, but it was um, it was definitely an experience I would recommend for everyone to go to, um, especially if you're either it's your first Pride Month or you um, Pride Festival or you just wanna you haven't been to one in a while or it's too far to go back to the one you usually go to. I'd say York Pride is a good uh, alternative. Yeah, I think I'm gonna try and go to the one next year. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, I think the university puts on a lot of events during the month as well, whether that's the university in general or, like, within the departments. They'll have, like, talks and stuff on... At least in, in my department, we have, like, a lot of talks on um, queer literature and queer history within that. But, yeah, I'm very jealous that you got to get to Pride. <laughs> that's great, yeah. and those talks are, like, freely available to students, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You don't pay for them at all. No, no, no. Which is great, because, of course, we're all students trying to save money, live well. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I'm glad that the takeaway from this is really just, like, you know, attend the Pride March, whether that's, you know, if you can't go to the one, like, you know, once you get to university, if you're like, oh, the one in my area that I usually go to, especially if you attended, like, the Pride Marches in London, of course, those are a lot bigger, um, let's say, productions and enterprises like that. And so maybe coming to a small town like York might be like, oh, my God, Gosh, it's kind of underwhelming but it's still an experience to be had and there's still so much to be gained from them you know finding another um community outside of your typical area well first i'm gonna ask you more random what what are you actually watching right now let's start there is there anything you've been watching right now guys that's just like captivating your interest because i've i've started the second season is it the second season of the new season of the witcher mm. and it's like got me in the chokehold i'm still working through um the last season of better call saul because I'm, I'm watching it with my mum so I can't watch it when I'm away at uni because she won't let me so yeah. I have to wait until I go back home and watch <laughs> it with her I love the commitment to that like, <laughs> watch it with her. Um, I've actually just recently gone back into watching more Doctor Who so that's what I've been Ooh. into uh, recently throw it back to a classic Doctor Who yeah. not had that in ages who's the Doctor now? Shuti Gatwa is it? yeah I, for now, it's it's David Tennant and then him. Oh, I don't know. What's okay, going that's on. the season you're on right now. <laughs> well, actually, no, they haven't released it yet. I was watching old David Tennant. So ah, I see. I see. Okay, yeah, I like first it. Black Doctor, so that's relevant. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? I have not been up to date. How did I miss that? That seems like something so important for the culture. Well, for everyone who was like, they want to, re- um, you know, reawaken their Doctor Who obsession if they had the same one that I did when they were younger, um, please, please tune in because, you know, we want to support the first Black Doctor, guys. Let's go do it. I feel like that's going to be on my list yeah. now. Do you have any recommendations for our listeners, you know, on how to better understand their experience maybe being queer, how to be a better ally? Put you on the spot there. I'm trying to think now. Because <laughs> I read, obviously, I read so many books from my degree that I'm yeah. going back. I'm you like, do. which ones have I read? Or if um, not a specific book, maybe we could say what kind of idea or topic would you want to share with those about, like, you know, what what was, what's helped you kind of come to, you know, come to have pride in your in your experience as a black queer person? I would say um, in my experience, I think it's because of the fact that I watch a, or I used to watch a lot of commentary YouTubers and stuff. I've kind of, I've kind of stumbled on into videos talking about either being black and the intersection between black and being part of the queer community 
or just on videos being queer itself and talking about how people are affected, whether in the UK or outside in the wider world. And that's helped me come uh, be more prideful and more aware of being more aware of the queer community and how I fit into it or how I want to fit into it. That's really lovely. I like that point you made about how I want to fit into it. I think that's really important because so often people let others kind of dictate their experience, especially when it's about something that might be a sensitive topic to them, like being black and queer, which can be um, perceived, as you mentioned before, Kimmy, um, kind of negatively within the black community. So I really like how you're like taking ownership of that. Like, I'm going to carve out my own way in that. Like, I'm not going to let anyone define that for me. How about you, Kimmy? Well, I've been racking my brain for... Anything I've been, you know, watching that's black and queer. So I'll go with the basic answer and say uh, Moonlight, the uh, film. Yeah. Um, if you haven't watched that for whatever reason yet, then I was just, it was so beautifully shot. I've seen it twice now and I've cried both times. It's just a really beautiful movie about the intersection between being black and queer. So for those of the listeners actually that you know aren't familiar with like Moonlight, what it is, so Moonlight is kind of um, it's like a kind of semi-autobiographical movie, um, and as it's defined, it's a deeply personal story um, and one that the um, the actual director of the film um, has said that is based on his own experiences and about coming into his queer identity and growing up in Liberty City, which is a neighborhood of Miami, Florida. Um, it's a th- film that I think everyone should check out. It actually won, did it win an Oscar? Yeah, it yeah, won it for Best Picture. Best Picture it did. So I would say everyone go check it out because, you know, it won an Oscar. And even if you're one of those people that's like, the Oscars don't mean anything to me, it still means a lot because the film was amazing. And of course, it had an entirely um, black cast or mostly black cast. Um, so it's one of those things I think everyone should should watch. Um, it's really emotional, actually, the film, isn't it? Is there any advice you'd like to give to any of our, you know, young listeners who are listening and think, you know, I'm black and I'm queer and I'm I'm excited to come to university or I'm even slightly terrified to come and live this experience. Is there any advice that you guys have to share with them? Um, for me, I would say just, you know, put yourself out there, you know, go to as many events as possible, even if you're like, it might be a bit difficult if, you know, you're a bit shy or maybe you're very anxious about, you know, going to these events I think just you know go and sort of push yourself outside your comfort zone and get involved in as much stuff as you can you know that really it helps you meet people that you might not have otherwise met that you'll have like similar interests maybe similar backgrounds and yeah it's just a really great way to meet friends and get involved with the local local activities Kimmy Stoll was gonna say so sorry (laughs) (laughs) great Um, minds think alike yeah no, I don't think I have anything to add on top of that. We definitely share the same sentiment about get involved, yeah. um, get stuck in, even if it's scary, even if it's it's out of your comfort zone, you know. As you said, especially if you want to date. <laughs> and the dating pool, you got to get yourself out there, guys. <laughs> so thank you both so much for sharing and being here today. And I know that for some of our listeners, being black, and a member of the LGBTQ plus community, as we said, is not easy for them due to stigma against their community and how they might be um, or are received amongst the black community. And so I hope that being able to talk to, you know, both Alex and Kimmy today has helped a lot of you listeners ease any anxiety that you may have. And it's helped give you guys some insight into opportunities and experiences that you might have whilst you're at university, whether that is the University of York or any other one that you choose to go to. 
And so now, if you've made it to the end of another episode, I would like to thank you for being here. The entire Black Access team, and I really appreciate you all staying tuned in for so long. I hope that you all enjoyed the fifth episode of the Black Access Podcast. Remember, you can listen to our podcast on any platform that you get your podcast on and also the University of York's website. Please also remember to follow the Black Access Instagram page at Black Access York for more information about Pride at York or head over to TAP, which is the ambassador platform, to hear all about our wonderful ambassadors' experiences at York during Pride Month. And one more thing, I'd like to leave you all listeners with um, a quote by Johanna Siguro Ardotir, who was a former Icelandic prime minister and the first openly gay head of state, who said, it is absolutely imperative that every human being's freedom and human rights are respected all over the world. So once again, I've been your host, Adorian Hope, here with my amazing guests, Alex and Kimmy. And I hope that you've all had a great week and I wish you all the best that life has to offer. And so tune in next time. Goodbye.